college is so expensive. And if you have children in your family, grandchildren, you want them to go to college. You want them to have the higher education. And our next speaker specializes in how to build your team's high school experience that colleges will pay for. You've got to share this one with everybody you know who have children in their life. Building spirituality, family, health, and business. This is The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant. Welcome, Giant Builders. If you have a high school student or even a middle school student or a friend or family member who has one, tell them to watch this episode. Today we have Denise Thomas, and she is with getaheadoftheclass.com. And we're going to show you, or she's going to tell you, how to get your children through college without any debt. So hi, Denise. How are you? Hey, Lois. I am so glad to be here. I'm doing fabulous. And hopefully we can help your families be fabulous as well. Great. Well, I can't believe the cost of colleges these days. It's just unreal. Is it is it even fathomable that you can go to college without debt? Well, you know, I think the problem that we have today is that we listen to the media a little too much. And about uh, everything. <la> about everything. About yeah. everything. And, you know, the bad news is what makes news. Mm-hmm. Let's face it, right? That's what gets people to get their emotions excited about things or whatnot. One of the things that I had to figure out was how are my kids going to go to college? How are we going to pay for it? And when I started researching, I found that 70%, 70% of college students graduate with some amount of student debt. And that can be anywhere from $5,000 to, well, as many zeros as you'd like to add to it. Yeah. But I can do the math. That means 30% are graduating debt-free. How are they doing it? What are they doing that they're not telling us about? That's what I set out to figure out for my own kids. And yes, there are going to be some that are college athletes getting paid to go to college. There's going to be the kids that are, well, let's face it, their families are destitute and just the opposite, families that can afford it. That's not the majority. There are strategies that make this work. And Lois, you mentioned the high cost of college, and we do hear a lot about that. But if you think about college as a commodity, well, there are cars on the showroom lot that I would call stupid expensive. You have a choice. When I walk into a Tesla showroom, I'm there to just oogle the pretty colors, but I am not walking out with one. The same is true with college. We have to begin to take the emotion out of it and start looking at it as a financial purchase because it is. It's going to impact your child's life possibly for decades if you don't make the right choices in the beginning. Good point. That is wonderful. How do we go about choosing colleges? I mean, what are What are some of the top things that we should look for? Well, when I ask my clients to sit down and let's make a college list, what we're talking about is what's important to you. What's important to your team? 
And there should be things like location. How far away from home do you want them to be? Do they want to be? What climate, what kind of climate are they comfortable with? For my daughter, she was not going north of the Mason-Dixon line. And for anyone who lives in the South, you understand what that means. Basically, she is Southern born and bred, and that's where she's staying. But you have to think about what else is important to you. Okay, so you've got location, you've got climate, you've got parts of the country, you've got, well, you know, what type of religious background are you? What type of... Uh, of political climate are you looking for? What's comfortable for your team? What about clubs and activities that are so important to your team? It's who they are, it's integral to their being. You wanna make sure that the colleges that you choose have that opportunity for your kid to continue to come to participate in. So there's a lot of opportunities to make this list and then prioritize. Prioritize what's important. If it doesn't have XYZ club, are you still going to be happy with that? Or should that be higher on the list of priorities? But let's talk about the money. Because a lot of people put a little too much emphasis on the name brand of the school. Now, I mentioned, you know, walking into a, a, a showroom for cars earlier. If you think about the retail market for women's blouses. Well, you could go to Walmart or you could go to Nordstrom's, but the cotton t-shirt from both places serves the same purpose. We have a view as parents, as a society, that the name of the school matters in how your child will advance and be successful in life. Studies over and over again for decades have proved that is wrong. The name of the school does not matter. Employers do not care. But parents think it does. But let's take a quick look at that. If you think that your child's entry-level income is going to be higher because they went to a school that cost well, double what your state university might cost. What's the return on investment? The studies have shown that what kids come out with for their entry-level pay after five years out of school, because you have to, you know, you have to figure out, well, markets change. And sometimes kids don't get jobs because, well, maybe they're in a down market than they, when they graduated. So it's fair to say five years later everybody's going to have a job by then. So does it matter if they went to a name brand school or not? Truth is, if you adjust for everything else, college major, SAT scores, GPA, those types of things that would matter to an employer. So now we're only looking at the name of the school. Does that matter for income within the first five years of getting out of school? The answer is no. The child who is accepted to name brand schools yet chooses to attend a state university gets the same salary as those who attend the name brand schools after graduation. If you think about it from a marketing standpoint, some of your 
viewers may have their own business and we understand marketing when we do. If you look at the marketing from some of those bigger name schools, what they're showing you is the experience. They're showing you happy kids walking in beautiful oak trimmed campus, you know, communities and hallways, et cetera. They're not telling you your kid is going to get a better salary. If that were the case, they would be advertising it. So the first thing to do is get that college list where we're talking about schools that do offer merit-based scholarships, scholarships that don't have anything to do with the income of the family. Start there. So where does one go to start getting this list together? It is important to, to start there because the largest scholarship your child will receive in one bucket is from the college your child chooses to attend. But they have to get accepted first. And when I looked at why colleges choose or accept certain students, yes, GPA and test scores do matter. And I know parents out there with teenagers may have heard a lot about test optional colleges and colleges going test optional lately. That couldn't be further from the truth. Again, that's the media. 10% of colleges were test optional prior to the pandemic. But let's look at why they were test optional. They were test optional for the purpose of allowing kids who did not have really good test scores to apply anyway. Well, what's, what's the point of that? Parents have to understand test optional is not for you. It's not to say, oh, Johnny doesn't test well. We'll let him apply anyway. Or, oh, Susie is, is anxious when she takes exams. I call bull. They're doing it for them. Always follow the money. Why is a college doing test optional? The 10% who were test optional are among some of the top colleges in the U.S. News and, and World Report rankings. The reason they were test optional is because one of the criteria for those college rankings is average entry of student test score. They can't report what they don't get. That automatically inflates the average incoming student test score. Now, during COVID, many colleges, about 50%, went test optional because they realized, well, if we're requiring exams, and a lot of kids can't get those scores right now, the schools are closed and they can't get the proctors even when they're open or you know, last minute changes in the rules and laws in their area made it difficult. So if they wanted to have the same number of students applying, they had to make it test optional. That's temporarily test optional. The vast majority of all of those schools that went test optional during the pandemic did so for that purpose alone. And the vast majority of them are going back to tests required over the next two to three years. So depending on what age your child is, you need to be getting them ready to take those exams. 
So test optional is something that we hear about, and we need to understand why colleges are doing that. And they're only test optional for most of them just for admissions. That's not the same thing as scholarships. That's a different department. Many scholarship committees at the schools still require the scores or reserve their highest scholarships for those who did turn in the tests. It's also been shown across the board that students, or rather colleges that are keeping track of this, they're the kids that are accepted, vast majority are accepted because they accept they did send in those test scores. Mm. Now I mentioned scholarships. Again, colleges are not offering scholarships to your kid for you. It's not a pat on the back. Follow the money. Why are they offering scholarships? They offer scholarships as a carrot. They're dangling it in front of your kid to say, ooh, come here, say yes. Why? Again, because in those college rankings, one of the criteria is average incoming student GPA and average incoming student test score. It inflates their, their scores, their rankings. So they're asking kids with high stats to come on by offering scholarships. Again, follow the money. It's not for you. It's for them. So look for schools that offer the big scholarships. What if my child doesn't have those scores? Do they still have okay. scholarships open? There are still plenty of opportunities. A lot of people feel that, well, you know, my kid's an average student. Well, guess what? Average today, the average GPA across all high schools in the U.S. is more than a 3.0. Now, back in my day, average technically meant a 2.0. Mm -hmm. All right. So things have changed where that's concerned. A lot of uh, types of courses have changed the way we score them, whether we grade them, et cetera. So the average is actually better than a 3.0. So what if your child has less than a 3.0 GPA? Well, there are colleges that still offer scholarships for a two point whatever GPA. Usually that is going to be your local regional state colleges and universities. So check with those colleges to see if they offer scholarships. I've also, I hear a lot about parents and, and other gurus, especially financial ones, will ask, well, you know, you should probably attend community college for a couple of years first. Knock that out. It's cheaper everywhere. It's going to be less expensive than your four-year college. Do that first. And I always say, do the math. Get out a spreadsheet and make sure that's true. Because here's why. If your child does have the GPA and test score to earn an entering freshman scholarship, those are the biggest scholarships available. If you're planning to transfer either from another college or from a community college or junior college, transfer scholarships are minuscule in comparison. So you're not going to get what you thought you would have gotten as a freshman going into that four-year school if you're entering as a junior. So you really need to consider that. Do the math, but it might be to your financial advantage for your child to attend a community college first. Now, today, a lot of kids attend community colleges and their local colleges during high school, prior to high school graduation. Hmm. And that's great too. It's called dual enrollment or dual credit. Dual enrollment 
is a great idea, but, and again, everything has a caveat. You have to understand all the ins and outs before you go headfirst into any of these decisions. A lot of families believe, well, if my kid graduates college with their, I'm sorry, high school with their AA degree, they literally will have only two years left. Maybe. <laughs> it depends on the relationship between the college they got the AA from and the four-year university. In some cases, yes, they accept everything. Usually they're within the same state system of schools. And even then, sometimes the flagship university doesn't accept absolutely everything. So you do have to figure that out first. Most of the time, there's a chart online that will tell you what courses between the state colleges will be accepted between each one. And that's a great starting place. But a lot of times, kids are going out of state or to a private school. And that doesn't exactly work. A lot of times kids are graduating high school with 40 credit hours to find only that six or 12 is all that the new school will accept. And parent, I want you to be aware of this one thing. When you call a four-year college and ask about transferring your kids high school college credits from their DE class, dual enrollment courses, Many times you'll hear the words out of their mouth that says, oh, everything transfers. No. Your idea of everything transfers and their idea, totally different. Here's what I mean. Yes, all of the courses from their dual enrollment college will show up on the kid's transcript for college when they graduate. Awesome. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's counting toward their four-year degree. Mm -hmm. Many times, certain classes will. Everything else shows up as extra electives that do not count toward the 130 plus hours necessary for graduation. So you've got to know this going in so that your child is not grossly disappointed about all the effort that they put in. And sometimes your community college is not free and you pay good money for that. So know before you go in. Okay, is there a certain age that a parent should start thinking about scholarships? Lois, the funny thing is, most parents are not asking that question until their kid is a high school senior. Oh. They've already chosen their college and they find out that the college is offering $20,000, let's say, to, to attend, but the cost of attendance is forty five. dollars now they've got to find 25 grand per year. Where do I find scholarships? And that's a valid question. Problem is, A, they probably chose poorly to begin with. And B, you're not going to get $25,000 per year in private scholarships. That does not happen. It's not possible at that point you've waited too long. You can get some, but you're not going to get that much. Scholarships begin as early as kindergarten. Oh, wow. So regardless <laughs> of what age or grade level your kids are in, start now. They can be begin accumulating their college kitty through private scholarships immediately. And don't stop just because your kid 
accepted their college, they're moving in, they're college freshmen, private scholarships go all the way through professional school. There's opportunities for more free money. Okay, expand on this um, starting in elementary school, looking for scholarships. I, I don't grasp that. Can you expand on that? I understand, Lois. And if you think about it this way, and I know a lot of parents will, oh, that's just, you're putting too much stress on your kid, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. No, here's the deal. The whole point is to not stress out your kid. Mm-hmm. And there are so many other things that stress them out. Applying for scholarships shouldn't be one of them. This should be a fun opportunity, a, a fun thing to do. As early as kindergarten, the scholarship is, I'm, I'm going to give you the name of it right now. It's okay. called the Doodle for Google Scholarship. If you have ever used the Google Chrome platform, Mm -hmm. you'll see the Google name and drawings or colorings around the Google logo. Yeah. Yeah. Those are scholarships. Those are scholarship winners. It's literally putting the piece of paper in front of your kid with a crayon. And they have scholarships as young as kindergarten through eighth grade. Wow. Now, there's only one for kindergarten, that one. But the point is, there are opportunities, and most parents are not aware of that. Mm -hmm. As you gradually move toward high school senior year, the opportunities available are more and more. So there may be only a handful for elementary school. There may be 20 or 30 or, or so for middle school, and yet there may be a few hundred for high school students of all, you know, from freshman to junior year. Senior year is where it peaks. There are literally millions of scholarship opportunities available. They give away $23 billion of scholarship money every year. Those deadlines begin in May of junior year for high school seniors. So that summer between junior and senior year, technically you're a high school senior right? and they can be applying for high school senior scholarships and the bell curve, so to speak, comes down after senior year, as far as the number of scholarships available are same way as it did going leading up to senior year of high school. So coming into college, uh, there's fewer available leaving undergrad, going into grad school, there's fewer available and fewer still for professional school. But don't stop looking for free money until the last parchment is in hand. The money is out there. Are there handy resources to locate them or do you have to just like Google in your area? There are so many opportunities for finding scholarships. They're literally all around you, wherever you live. I guarantee it. Many of the stores that you frequent, companies that you buy from, offer scholarships. Many of the organizations in your community offer scholarships. The first place to look for local scholarships is at your local high school. The high school that your child attends, the counselor should have a list of local scholarships. How they're getting this list is usually one of two ways. Either some of their students have won some of these scholarships in the past, or scholarship organizations, or community organizations have gone to the the high school and said, hey, we're offering this scholarship. Would you let your students know about it? The vast majority of those will be for high school seniors. 
local is always best simply because you're going to have fewer applicants. I had a lady come to me whose organization, community organization, offers a $5,000 scholarship to a local high school student every year. And every year, they have to go to the school and beg students to oh, apply. No. <laughs> Isn't that sad? That is really sad, yeah. It is. And the reason is this. Kids and parents believe that you have to be a genius to win scholarships. Average kids, kids with a 2.6 GPA are winning scholarships because the vast majority of private scholarships don't even ask for GPA or test scores. Mm -hmm. They're asking your child's opinion on a particular topic, or they're asking them to write about a particular topic. Sometimes it may only be a 250 word paragraph. Sometimes it might be, you know, like a book size of, of an essay. Now for those, I pretty much tell the parent, look, if, uh, if it's a $200 scholarship and they want you to write 10,000 words minimum, Unless your kid has actually written that report or something similar for high school and yeah. they can just revamp it, that is totally not worth their time. Yeah. Just blow it off entirely. Because as I said, there are literally millions of scholarship opportunities. If it's not a good fit, put it in the trash and try again. I have a course for parents of all ages, and it's how to find scholarships. Oh. And in the course, I offer 17 ways of finding scholarships your child has the best chance of winning. Well, we'll definitely include that link below so people can go through that process. The applications, they are they are they horrible like the news gives it or you know, it's funny you should mention that because we're right now we're in the midst of the, the highest point of application season for kids and they are stressing themselves out probably more than they should. Colleges are looking for three things. Will you pass and graduate? And your grades, your course rigor, your test scores tells them that. How do you fit into the campus community? Your activities tells them that. Because colleges have hundreds of organizations to fill in clubs. They need the kid who is the chess champion type of student. They need kids that like to ballroom dance or like to do karate or whatever it might be. Mm. Your activities tells them where you fit into the campus community. And last but definitely not least, they're looking for what kind of an alumni will you be? Now, they're reading between the lines for that. Yeah. But most of it will come from your community service, um, what is important to you that shows through your college applications. And I'll give you a real quick idea of how I came to this conclusion. My daughter was five years older than my son. And when she was applying to one of the largest scholarships in the country, this application begins with nine pages of checkboxes of typical high school activities and leadership roles. My daughter was homeschooled. She didn't have cheerleading or dance team or band. She was a dancer. They don't have ballet dancer listed on there, <laughs> right? But she did have an extensive resume. But for that particular scholarship, it wasn't enough. My son is five years younger. Now I've got the application. So at this point, I can look at this and say, okay, kid, look at this list of things. What might be fun to you? 
And we created opportunities for him to be able to check some boxes. Mm. By the time he was a senior, he was able to get past those check boxes to the real application where he was able to actually write what he did and loved and enjoyed. He became a semifinalist for that very large scholarship. But these things only happen when you know what your goal is in the beginning. The earlier you start, the more opportunities there are. What about technical schools? Do they offer scholarships as well? Absolutely. There are scholarships available, private scholarships for community college and technical schools. Not as many as I believe there should be. Uh, Today, we, for the last three decades, we've been telling kids as a society, you have to go to a four-year school and get a degree. That's not true. You can be just as successful and make just as much income as a mechanic as you can as a mechanical engineer. The opportunities are there. So college isn't for everybody. So you really need to think about what's good for your child and not necessarily what society is saying. 100%. -hmm. Evaluate what lights up your kid right? And seek out. I actually have a list uh, that I can provide if they get on my email list and ask me about it. I have a list of six consultants whose primary business is to help your teen assess what their life career should be based on who they are. Well, that would be so helpful for a lot of parents (laughs) and a lot of students. So just to know, you know, what am I, what am I really built to do well and a lot of times and i hate this but parents believe that kids should go to college to quote figure it out that couldn't be further from the truth number one they may be at the wrong college to figure it out right now more than 80 percent of college students change their major at least once more than 60 percent change their college major at least twice this is why kids are taking five and six years to get out of school that's what i'm going to say that's why they're why there's so much more college debt is because they can't decide what to do. Exactly. They just keep going to try to figure it out. Eh, well, that didn't work out real well. Let's try something else. Mm-hmm. By the way, I was one of those kids. Were you? <laughs> I, I did change my, my college major. I started in pre-med, uh-huh. ended up in uh, in computer programming and absolutely loved it. I could program in my sleep. Oh, great. Curious, Denise, how did you get into this process of helping people find college scholarships? Well, Lois, I'll, I'll have to admit it came out of desperation. Mm-hmm. When my kids were in middle school, my husband was laid off from his corporate job after 15 mm-hmm. years. Okay, I'm the math geek. I'm the one paying the bills. And I'm like, holy, holy moly, what do we do next? Because that had never been on the table for us. That just It just wasn't. It just wasn't something that his division ever had to deal with. We had just built our retirement home. Literally, I had moved into it three months earlier and he gets laid off. I'm thinking, quick, put the house on the market, which we did. And we bought a smaller house. He got another job pretty quickly. That was cool. And then he gets laid off again. And then the stock market crashed. This happened all within like four to six months. So with this trifecta of issues, we're trying to pay our bills. And and think about this. We now have two mortgages because the first house didn't sell. Mm. With the stock market crash, everything was bonkers. Nobody was buying. They didn't have money. Their, Their stocks had gone down considerably as well as ours. 
So we had to use what was left in savings and in the stock market to pay the bills. Well, that doesn't take long to see the money running out. I realized we had no choice but to declare bankruptcy. We had just enough to pay a bankruptcy attorney and buy a lawnmower and trailer and start mowing lawns to put food on the table. The houses went into foreclosure. We moved into a small apartment. We had two dogs, but even our two dogs had to go because with an apartment, we couldn't have them. About three months into being into this new apartment, it suddenly hit me. My daughter is starting high school. College is right around the corner. How are we going to pay for this? We have no savings, no 401k to borrow against, no home equity to borrow against. Oh, and that that bankruptcy, that means we can't co-sign for those student loans everybody likes to talk about. See, they forget to mention when they have all this discussion at least every two years about the college debt crisis, parents have to co-sign for the majority of those loans. Your kid can only get a very small amount by themselves. So that impacts your buying power and it's going to impact your retirement as an adult. But the bankruptcy took student loans off the table for us. So now what do we do? And that's when I started doing the research. That's when I realized 70% of college students graduate with debt, but 30% are graduating debt-free. What I found in my research, Lois, is that there are certain things those kids that are graduating debt-free are doing that the rest of us are not. Number one, and probably the most important thing, is that they're starting everything that we think of as a college, pre-college thing. They're starting it early much earlier than what your high school counselors advise or think about. So for example, these kids are are in their, they're taking their ACT and SAT exams in middle school, mm. not for the score, not for the stress, but just the opposite, to get used to the exam and the exam environment. By the time they know all there is to know in junior year when they're taking these exams for college entrance, they're not stressed like everyone else in the room. They also know the exam so well, they don't have to read the directions. They jump straight to the questions. That shaves off a lot of time. All the stuff that I learned, if if I thought this thing that other kids were doing would have an impact on college acceptance or scholarships, I implemented it with my kids. In the end, My daughter won her first private scholarship as a high school junior, $10,000 national scholarship. Great. She also started applying to colleges in her junior year and started getting acceptances. The first college she sent her application to, three days later, we got a phone call. And the phone call, the gentleman said, we received your daughter's application but we did not receive the application fee. Now, Lois, my brain says, that's following directions. (laughs) Way to go, daughter. (laughs) But then he continues. And we'd like to offer her tuition, fees, room, board, and books 
but we need the fee to process the scholarship. Oh, wow. Now, I've got my daughter on speakerphone for this, and she's about to jump up and down for joy. I can see it. And I'm doing the timeout symbol because <laughs> I'm thinking he made a mistake. This doesn't happen. Number one, colleges don't call you. Number two, they don't call uh-huh. offering a free ride. Yeah. So I asked him, you do know she's a junior. Yes, ma'am. We'll wait for her. Lois, there was something we did right in this application package. Mm. So my son is five years younger. Can we repeat this process? Turns out we can. So after we dropped my son off at college, my husband and I bought a 42-foot motorhome and went full-time RVing for five years. Between my two kids, they had won 17 scholarships, totaling almost $200,000. They both attended college debt-free with cash left over. They got paid to go to college. So it was after my husband and I were on the road that I kept getting phone calls, text messages, and emails asking, okay, Denise, uh, my kids are starting high school or my kids are junior in high school. What do we do next? What did you do? And I found myself copying and pasting what we did. What was the, the process that we went through so that other families could do the same? And eventually I decided to just take it online so that other families would have the same opportunities. Thus, here we are. <laughs> Great. Oh, that is exciting. Congratulations to your kids. I'm thrilled that, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's one of those things where uh, my daughter graduated with 4,000 leftover, which was awesome. And she used most of it. I think she used all of it toward her wedding because she got married a little bit after college. Mm-hmm. My son graduated with 10,000 leftover mm. and I'm the mom that says, oh, this is great. You can outfit your new apartment and not live like a broke college student your whole life. I have a brother that does. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I'm thinking. And I even mentioned, hey, you know, I'll I'll send your sister to come help you outfit your apartment, et cetera. I'm glad he waited because within months of being in his new apartment and with his new job, mm-hmm. his car broke down, needed a new transmission. Oh, that was more than four grand. Yeah. His, his computer broke, needed a thousand dollar repair. Mm. His apartment was without electricity for more than a week. He had to refit his refrigerator and freezer. And with today's grocery prices, I think we all know what that costs. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't believe this, but he wrecked a rental car. Oh, <laughs> that was a thousand dollar deductible. And not once did he have to ask mom and dad mm-hmm. for a dime. He had the money. His emergency fund was already set in place when he started school. Mm-hmm. I have other students, uh, families rather, whose kids are able to travel. They're able to come home and visit mom and dad for Christmas. You know, um, there's just so many opportunities. Some of them are giving to their local charities because they can. They don't have 500 to $2,000 worth of debt every single month they're trying to pay mm-hmm. on an entering level salary. So how as parents, how do we figure this all out? Well, Lois, there's, there's definitely, you know, doing it on your own, which I did. And it was a lot of work. I'm telling you, I was on the computer until 2am almost every night. The information is out there. 
most of it. But the problem is that there's a lot of bad information out there. I moderate about 20 different Facebook groups for parents and teens that have high school kids or college kids. And I find a lot of misinformation being disseminated by well-meaning individuals. And some are, you know, high school or college counselors. They mean well, but they didn't do the research. So yes, you can, but you've got to use caution. Please do the research yourself. If you're getting advice from people, find out if, you know, what their sources are. How do they know this to be true? The other thing is that I do offer opportunities for parents to understand what exactly those steps are and how to do it in the short form. What do we need to do in freshman year, sophomore year, et cetera? And how do we showcase this to the colleges? My course takes you all the way through the process with figuring out your child's activities, their leadership roles, because leadership is not always being a president or vice president of a club. There's many ways of showing leadership. There's also community service. What about your kid's resume? Let's talk about what classes they should and shouldn't be taking. You know, a lot of people out there believe your kid has to take all AP courses in order to be competitive, and that's not true. There's so many other opportunities uh, for your kids to show course rigor besides that. And finding the right college, searching for scholarships. How do we, how do we know what scholarships are real and legitimate and which ones are not? So my Cracking the Code to Free College course takes them through every one of these steps and more to make sure that they're not missing anything in this process. I had a parent just yesterday call me to say, I can't thank you enough. My kid is going to college on multiple scholarships with cash left over. Mm -hmm. And she started with me in sophomore year. This works but you have to be willing to do the steps because what we're doing is we're marketing your teen to the college so that your child looks wonderful, is amazing, is the student they want to be on their campus and to be their college alumni. How can people contact you? Well, Lois, the best thing is they can download a checklist that I have for them. It's called 12 Secrets, 12 scholarship secrets, tips from prestigious scholarship judges. Now, this is a 12-step checklist, not just for submitting scholarships, but also for submitting their college applications. You want to make sure that you can check all these boxes before hitting that submit key, because there are certain things that scholarship judges have looked at and said, mm, yeah, that's a bad idea. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. Or, ooh, that's, that, I like that. Let's put that in the yes pile. So that's what helps you to get started. And once you have this list, you'll be on my email list. You're welcome to ask questions and you'll occasionally get emails that will help you where you, where, right where you are in your high school to college process. Great. All right. Well, we'll have that link below, Giant Builders. And you are so full of information. I so appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Lois. I love sharing this with families. It breaks my heart when a parent tells me their kid is saddled with debt. I know families that are in their 40s can't afford to buy a house because they're still paying 
college debt. Mm -hmm. Well, great information. All right. Giant builders, make sure if you know of anybody who has a child that's just starting high school or all right, maybe in part of high school, please share this information with them because this is just going to just be overwhelming to them. And this is going to give them a great start. Thank you again and have a wonderful day. Thank you, Lois. Bye, Giants. Thank you for listening. This has been The Giant Builders with Lois Wyant.